Canada. Very cool. Very cool. Well, hey, I'm going to give you the floor for a couple minutes. Let's catch everybody up to speed of who you are and, and what you're doing. And this company called Edge Gap, what is that? Cool, cool. Thanks. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a telecom veteran. been working for 20 years in the telecom industry and uh, working for and selling to like, the Comcast and Verizon and Vodafone of this world. Um, and a couple of years ago, I decided to, uh, to merge my passion for gaming with the, the a new trend in the telecom industry, which I was seeing called edge computing. Um, so I decided to found edge gap in 2018. Um, edge gap is an early stage startup where we are building a software to um, reduce lag and improve player experience um, for online gaming. And um, we're, as I said, we're based out of Montreal. We were recently seated. Uh, we got investment that was four months ago, five months ago. This allowed us to grow up the team. We're now uh, seven full-time with, uh, with two interns. And um, we've, we've moved office. Um, and we're, we're building the next generation gaming infrastructure. Um, that's, that's this very brief summary of what we do. I guess we're going to go into the details uh, a, a bit more in the next hour. Um, yeah. Yeah, for those who don't know, why, why is lag such an issue? Like, why is this a problem to even to worry about? It depends who you ask, right? So I've heard a few times lag is not an issue at all. Those people typically either don't play games or are not involved in the money aspect of the gaming industry. So if you if you ask the players, the players will tell you, yeah, it 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 breaks the fun, right? Uh, either I'm, I'm kind of I feel like I'm not good at the game, but really in reality, what may happen is that the lag makes it so that you keep losing, or if you're I'm not going to say professional, right? But if you just play enough games to know what lag is from a network perspective, and you're like, yeah, something is wrong. Uh, and I keep having this, this, I keep dying. I keep dying. I was playing uh, the, um, the pirate games from Sea of Thieves a, a few months ago. And, and even though, I mean, we're in Montreal, we should be connected to a good connection and we'd be, we should be close to game data, data centers. I was getting 120 something milliseconds latency and I could tell, even though I'm not a professional gamer at all, uh, I could tell that I kept dying. I kept dying. And it was like, geez, people were just in front of me and it, it was hard for, for, for me to, to control the player. So from a player perspective, it, it breaks the fun. And what happens when, when, when you don't have any fun, you play something else, right? Um, and with games today, the notion of those games, they, they went from, a story to a services, a game as a services in the sense where you have seasons like Game of Thrones, right? Fortnite, PUBG, they have seasons. They want you to play the game over and over. They make the game evolve so you remain. Um, so you, you keep playing the game and you keep spending your money on that game um, instead of releasing new games. Uh, and with that notion in mind, if you have no fun, you're going to change game. Therefore, you're not going to spend your money on that. The lag from a studio's perspective or a publisher's perspective reduce your revenue. Right? If you're not, if players are not playing because they don't have fun or they feel like it's not the quality is not there, um, you just uh, it's a loss of revenue. I've seen cases where that loss of revenue was not necessarily translated in in, in poor player experience, but 
Um, a, a mobile studio had, um, it's a free to play, it's an RTS, real time strategy. It's a, pay to win, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you pay to win, you expect to win, sort of. Um, but if you pay to win and you end up playing against folks who are not paying, you're, um, and you lose because of lag, it's a very piss poor experience. So they've decided not to launch that specific title in, in South America, which was a pretty big market, um, just because they made the choice of, instead of, of providing their game as a, a poor player experience, we're just not going to target that market. Um, it, it can go that far, right? Um, and we're, we're working toward um, getting hard numbers in terms of how much money, because it's a very protected aspect of each studios, right? They don't want to tell you how much they are losing when lag happens, for example. It's not something that's public. Just, just getting latency numbers is a pretty uh, touchy topic. Um, for example, we've, we've released, uh, not released it, but we've completed the case study with a studio last week. Um, and, uh, and, and they're afraid that if we go public with the numbers, they, they kind of look bad, right? I mean, if you show the numbers and you're like, yeah, how come you have an average latency of, of X, Y, Z? And so it's a touchy topic as, as is the, the, the amount of money that they lose when a players stop playing or something like that. So, so what strategies have studios used in the past to battle lag? Because obviously it can put a dent in revenue and it's an issue for them. So how have they dealt with it? There are a few ways that they're, I mean, lag has been there for, for, for many, many, right. many years now. And they came up with a few strategies over the years. Um, there's a very good video from uh, someone who worked on Destiny 1. It's an old GDC video, uh, the Gaming Developer Conference. Um, I think this video is public. I don't think you need to have access to GDC Vault. So the developer went into details about um, how they manage lag from um, an animation perspective. And it's one of the best videos I've seen on the topic. And This was, like, I think... Like, four or five years ago. Um, and they've explained that by the time, let's say, and the example was throwing a grenade. So if you hit the button, you try to throw a grenade to your adversary. As soon as you push the button, the message gets sent to the server because the server is uh, on, on the internet is seen as an arbiter. It's like if you play, uh, if you play hockey or, or, or football, there's this, this arbiter who decides what really happened and it's kind of men in the middle. You have the same the same element for a lot of uh, public, online games, authoritative servers. So this, as soon as you hit the button to throw the grenade, your computer or your console is going to send a message to the server and say, hey, Chris threw a grenade. But as it does that, it shows you some animation. So you feel like the grenade really hasn't left the, the character yet. So from your perspective, there's no lag because, yeah, it's still throwing the grenade, but really you've thrown the grenade already. So the message is already sent. That was a video done by, uh, by the folks at Destiny a few years ago, and this was a good explanation about workaround lag. So these are ways that, where you, you can bend the law of physics, um, and, and you work around that through 
um, to tricks like like that. So you use the animation, for example. Um, I mean, lag is mainly dictated, uh, at least network lag, is mainly dictated by um, by issues around the network. You have um, so many hops you got to go through, um, and so on. The distance play plays into that. Um, if you take, let's say you and I were connected to uh, with a fiber cable, we can go as fast as the speed of light. Actually, it's as fast as half of the speed of light because those fiber cables can go as fast as the speed of light. And and really, there's no fiber cable between both of us. There, we got to go through some hoops. Um, so you can't bend the law of physics in this sense. So they came up with tricks, like I said, like the throwing a grenade animation kind of. And there's a lot of stuff that they do behind the scene to um, in the server, in the arbiter to say, hey, this is what really happened. We're going to reconcile based on timestamps and so on. Um, it's a pretty lengthy topic. But all in all, um, they never really got around fixing it. A lot of companies these days are looking at, um, they created what they call the... Uh, the internet over the internet, like fast internet connection for a game. Um, not going to name those companies, but a lot of them are, are popping up today. We've worked, uh, we've worked with one of our partner on um, on a case today, which I'm hoping to release in the next few weeks about that specifically. That so these are uh, network that they created on the top of the internet, and they say that it goes faster for gamers. Um, it's it's uh, it's give or take. Uh, I I don't want to um, spill the beans about the conclusion of our case study about, regarding that, but uh, it, it's quite interesting in the sense where um, the results or the gain are not there, just not there. But but you just have to Google those 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 companies to see sure. the results of people's own farms. Well, hey, real quick, we'd love to get your all's questions and comments throughout the other uh, all the platforms, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, so feel free to post a question. I'll try to get to every single one of these because we'd like to to go through these and make this a little bit of a Q&A as we go along here. Uh, but obviously, so we've identified lag as an issue. So by the way, uh, Matthew Dupree, uh, CEO of EdgeGap with us. We've obviously identified lag as an issue. We talked a little bit at the top about EdgeGap and what you guys are doing very briefly. But can you go into more detail as to what you guys are doing and how you're battling that and uh, working in the space. Sure. So we're, we're working with studios directly where we integrate with their matchmaking. So the matchmaking for those not familiar with, uh, with that is, is this component that decides whether Chris should be playing against or with Matthew or not. Right. It, it, it's very, um, it's very game centric, um, whether you have the same kind of car as I do so we can race against each other or you have the same character level. It's based on skills. Um, I've actually seen, watched a, a video last week or the week before our GDC regarding um, matchmaking for um, the latest Hol Hollow, I think. And um, the guy was talking about the different thresholds that they use for matchmaking. So skills is one. Then latency is typically the other big bucket that, that's taken into account to decide who's going to play with who, right? It's It's very specific to the game there are rules that you can uh, create for the, the tie for specific like either weapons or items in the game itself or and so on and so forth so what we do at edge gap is we integrate with that component and each time a set of players are created to to go to a match 
then we define and decide what's the best location of all the x the, the the location that we have access to so we we have access to 220 something different data centers in in the world they come from um uh, 10 different infrastructure vendors including the public clouds that you're familiar with the google cloud and amazon of this world but we also have access to newcomers these are people deploying what we call edge computing. They're smaller data centers. So we have access to all those locations. And each time there's a new match, we decide, we looked at the real-time telemetry. We do real-time telemetry to define, okay, Chris is, is located there. And if we collect the data around him, we know that we should be picking the location around Chicago because with Matthew, they're gonna get the best player experience. They're gonna get the, a fair chance of winning. There's this notion of predictability. We don't want any predictability when we do matchmaking because it means that your character is level 50. I just installed the game. I stand no chance whatsoever to win the game. So predictability is in the roof. It's going to be a piss poor game for you because you're going to feel like, hey, I'm losing my time there. And for me, because I'm going to feel like, hey, this is too hard. I'm not playing anymore. So by using a slew of different values that we collect. And this, is all, this all happens in real time because you've connected, you've just opened up the client and you're in the lobby, you're in the queue, you're waiting to play the game and so do I, right? So we need to react very quickly. We collect all the data, we gather that and define and decide what's the best location. We deploy the game server in that specific location and we can play the game. We don't have to do anything. It's all happening behind the scene. That's what we call plumbing for the games, right? And, um, and, and that provides both of us the best player experience. And I guess what latency benchmarks are you all looking for and things like that? And then those maybe not as familiar with latency, uh, obviously, so it's measured in milliseconds. Like, what are you shooting for for that? Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, we use well beyond latency. Latency is one of the important uh, measurements for, for obvious reasons. But we right. also look at, at jitter. So we've, we've worked with a lot of um, e-athletes and they told us that they'd rather like to have a slightly higher latency but less jitter. Jitter being the difference in latency over the course of a certain time, right? So if you have five milliseconds, 20 milliseconds, five milliseconds, 20 milliseconds during, the, during a minute, a minute and a half, it's hard for a player to adapt to that latency. Um, so less jitter. So we, we use that, we use packet drops. We, uh, we have a, a, a few other metrics which we're collecting and gathering together to come up with what we called, we called it the happiness level. So the happiness level is something we created to compare Apple with Apple. So when we have access to Let's say you and I are trying to play a game and we want to compare the 20 different locations around both of us to define what's the best location. We need, to def we need to compare them. So the happiness level is what we came up with. So latency, back to your question, you've mentioned latency. Um, we, we have some ballpark numbers about what's, what's, uh, what's good, what's okay-ish, and what's not good. So above 100, we consider that as definitely not good at all. Um, you can make miracle. We had players, for example, who were provide, we were collecting data for those players during the match, and they were achieving 250 milliseconds. And we wondered why. We ended up finding out they were in northern China. They're 
probably using smoke signals to play the game. So we can't we can make it. Right. There's so much you can do. Right. So above a hundred, um, not good. Definitely not good. We want. I, I would love to have everyone to have 10 milliseconds latency, but it's impossible. So we're targeting for to have as many people as possible below 50. Um, and the, the, what we're seeing in the field is that by leveraging our platform, we can put the bulk of the players below that threshold, which is 50. But the, the curve is still there, right? You, you all, you all, you're always going to have people below 10 milliseconds, and you'll always have people above 100. The goal is to take that curve and move it toward the left so you have more players below the threshold. And, and, and that threshold is, is in, their, in our case, we're targeting below 50. Um, there's always going to be players below below 20, below 10, um, and sometimes we we have to make decisions which are are hard, in the sense where, um, let's say you have you have 10 milliseconds latency when you're connected to a server, and I have 50. What about we increase yours to lower mine, so we have a fair chance of winning, right? So when you approach studios and you say, hey, Mr. Studio, I'm going to increase latency, they typically looked at us with weird eyes, but really what we're doing is we're reducing the average latency per match. And, and that makes it fair for everyone, and everybody's winning out of that, right? So. Hey, I want to jump in the chat for a little bit, because um, I do want to talk a bit more about fairness in esports and then how this plays a role as to what we're talking about, because I think that's really yeah. a conversation. Uh, Justin, uh, what's up, Justin? Like when you have rubber banding caused by these issues, jitter and loss, that was the explanation by Justin. Um, and Justin goes on to say, China is the largest gaming market on earth. We can't ignore that market. Packet loss in and out through the firewall makes it nearly impossible. Using edge computing and licensed cross-border providers, it can be achieved. Yeah, Justin, appreciate sharing that. Yeah, uh, yeah. We have we have some partners in China. Um, it's It's a hard... It's a hard market, as you said, but one thing that it's interesting that is bringing that up. So one thing we've been talking about and discussing with some of our customers is to do micro matchmaking. And it's a very controversial topic because so many there are so many games out there today and there's a, a finite amount of players um, and, and you don't want people to wait 15 minutes to join a match. So you got to broaden up the matchmaking rules in order for people to at some point play the game because they're waiting. And when you say you want to do micro matchmaking, then it means that you need to have a lot of players at the same amount of time. You need to have a lot of players to say, hey, I'm going to do a match specifically for people around Chicago or specifically for players around Montreal. In the rest of the world, it's kind of hard to do it in China we can think about that. So it's one of those few places where they do have enough players around uh, geolocated in a specific area so we can do micro matchmaking. And we work with, um, with edge providers in, in, in China to do that. Yeah, Justin, thanks for, yeah, thanks for posting that in there. Um, Wanted to so let's talk a bit more about I guess the east the esports side. How does it pertain to esports? Why is it such? A, why is this a big deal, if at all? 
Um, where my mon- mind goes initially is before we jumped on here, I tell you about my brother uh, the Smash Space. They're really starting to push a lot of the net play tournaments. The, the really it's really starting to get uh, a lot of a lot of momentum um, in, in that in that space. And Smash Melee specifically, um, it's there hasn't been a lot of net play uh, for you know. I mean, there has. I mean, it's been around for a while, but it has not been the mainstream of how people compete. So now, obviously, with the situation that that the players are in, that we're all in right now with the environment. Uh, with the coronavirus, how I guess for them they're looking at because my brother played on Friday and like he was just frustrated with the lag and he actually said a few times it doesn't even feel like the same game sometimes. So I mean, how does this all uh, play into esports? Um, how does it make the experience better for I mean the, the audience, the player, and I mean how do you see it playing out? Good question. So esports is, is, is still uh, in its infancy, um, at least at least from a I'm going to say a professional perspective in the sense where I was in, in, uh, in France a few months ago and I've met folks who were doing um, esports bidding. And when you want to do bidding, it needs to be fair. You need to, you need to not be able to control the outcome of a match, right? Now, if you bring the notion of, of uncertainty that networks provides, which is the case, right? You don't really know what's going on. And as you just pointed out, your brother who was playing um, Smash last week, he may have faced challenges from a network perspective. Um, And it's not something that anybody can control, neither the studios, the publishers, or the players. It's just in between and it's connectivity. And there's so many network providers connected to each other that it's kind of hard, if not impossible, to control uh, control the experience. So they were really interested into back to the folks who who are looking at um, esports bidding. They're really interested into controlling the experience, improving it to a point where you can guarantee that a specific match was within a certain threshold, and that's what we're looking at with these guys today, right? So what we're doing is the match is going to happen, and you can bid on that match, and those people may not be connected through a local switch in a studio. Maybe they're, they're far from each other. But what we're doing is we're making sure that throughout the match, the game is going to be within those thresholds and that's, that we're, we're guaranteeing that it's a, it's a bid okay match. And at the end of the match, if something happened throughout the match that, goes, that, that makes it so that it gives an advantage to, to one of the players, then we can raise a flag and say, hey, this match is no longer valid therefore you're gonna to have to replay the match because something happened um anybody who tells you that they can guarantee latency is probably that doesn't understand what it is because so so many aspects of it uh, especially if you're far from one another but what we can do is we can say hey you know what in the last match in the last 20 minutes in the last 40 minutes these are the metrics this is what exactly happened and therefore your bid is valid and chris won against matthew um, and that's, that's one of the aspects of it. We're looking at also um, qualifiers. So you, ha- you always have those big tournaments in, in, um, in the stadium, for example. But before you make it there, if they want to do open tournament and they want, they want to have an amateur player like myself, for example, who would love to go to PUBG tournaments, how do you do it? How do you guarantee that I have a fair chance and that Chris has a fair chance and so is everybody else? Um, we're, we're bringing our software to do exactly that, to provide 
um, to lower the overall latency and improve player experience and guarantee the studios that, hey, you know what? These guys, they're legit. They're the real deal. They didn't play with the latency like I've seen if you watch um, um, Wacky Jackie, for example, or there's a guy who does YouTube called Battle Nonsense. Um, he did a video recently about people using high latency to trick the game into thinking that they're either winning or shooting someone or hiding from a bullet. Because uh, people are working around that and they're tricking the game who's trying to prevent lag. As I said, it's like back to the, the example I gave about throwing a grenade. People are using those tricks to take an advantage against the opponents. Um, and that, these are the few videos that I've talked about from Battle Nonsense and Wacky Jackie um, that, that got released in the last few weeks. So we want to prevent that from happening. We want to prevent the studio from having to create tricks into, a, they call it lag compensation. And that has, lag compensation includes a whole bunch of different things, uh, which don't, we don't necessarily want to go into. But when you, when you work on that as a studio, you're not working on making the game fun. It actually, it actually kills the fun in a lot of ways because you think you're doing something, but really you're not doing what you think you're doing. The game is doing something for you in the back end. And it's like, oh my God, why, why isn't that? Manipulation. Yeah. yeah. Man, manipulates the whole thing and behind the scene just to go around that problem with Sagas. Yeah, and you mentioned you mentioned uh, skill based betting, gambling, uh, which there's a delineation there. Um, regulation coming in, uh, and, and no one really even knows what it's going to look like this, this space within you know next year. There's a, there's a lot of talks about 2021 being kind of the year of regulation and setting the framework for betting and, and skill based and PvP betting and all that. A lot of platforms being built right now for that. Uh, so that's, that's just going to be really fascinating. I've had a lot of really cool conversations about some of the platforms being built out for it. But again, who's going to bet real money on an outcome that can be manipulated? Exactly. I mean, Not many. The amount of cheaters, people cheating from just – even we don't get it. Like, nobody in the office, we talked about that every once, every once in a while. Nobody gets it. Why would you cheat on those games? Forget about the bidding. Why would you cheat? Right. Whatever. Like back then, I think in, uh, at the beginning, a few two years ago, you could, if you cheat, you earn more points in the game, and then you can buy some special skins, and then you can sell sell the skins on um, on Steam Market. Okay, maybe you're you're cheating to earn some money, but I was told that if at least I don't want to go into a specific game, but sure. I, I think that they've worked around that uh, right now. But it's still like. Uh, something that we don't get but it's it's not there a lot and people are just cheating using special ways of tricking the game into thinking that you've done a specific movement in the fighting games for example or that you've done something in that uh, sports game um so back to the question of betting uh it's the far west right now um if they want to attract people who will bid on those games, will bet on those games. They, uh, they got to guarantee people that, Hey, this is, we control the whole thing. We control the whole experience. And, and, and we guarantee you that this is what really happened. Um, I mean, geez, we're, when you watch a fighting, like a real fighting match, like MMA match, 
there's always someone who's going to say, hey, this match was rigged. Somebody, GCP was supposed to win. It didn't win. Something happened. Jeez, it was a real match. People were, like, I'm sure they, it was real blood. I've seen it. Um, and then still people were, were questioning the outcome of that match. Now, if it's all virtual and, and you have games components and software and hardware, it's, you need to bring a new level of, of guarantee to your, your, your people who are going to bet. Um, it reminds me, last week we were playing poker with a bunch of friends over web conferences because that's what you do when you have the, the coronavirus out there. It's, it's, that's the natural... Naturally, it's fun and sad at the same time. I'm, I'm, I'm torn between saying it was cool or just yeah. weird. Uh, drinking your, your beer while watching your friends on, on the Webex and playing um, Poker Stars. And uh, yeah, it, the, the game is bringing that, is bringing that stamp of, of warranty. Like, okay, we tell you that what's happening is legit. The cards were shuffled properly. Uh, nobody cheated. And... It, that's what you're looking for. It was not for a lot of money. We only chipped in 20 bucks each for fun. Mm -hmm. But the game that we've played guaranteed that this was going to, we're all going to have a fair chance of winning. And that's really missing today in esports if you want to bring a bet, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, because again, that, that adds a whole another layer to this industry. If you're talking about the betting space completely buy, you know, a hundred percent in on the space that, that changes the landscape tremendously. Um, but again, it's not going to happen unless you have that infrastructure in place so that, that you have the fairness. So it, it's, I don't know. It's really interesting. Just all the different levels of this. It's more than just, just the word lag. Oh, the game's lagging. So what? Right. And so I think there's so many different conversation pieces on it. Yeah, people mix and mix the term uh, for for all different reasons. There's there's lag for refresh rate. There's like mouse lag and and everything and anything in between. My kids play Roblox and and they keep saying, "Oh, the game." I mean, obviously they hear their dad talking about lags and what's not because of the company. But every now and then they're gonna say, oh, "The game is lagging," and and really it's just the iPad. It's a cheap <laughs> tablet that doesn't. It, it's not. There's no. It's no lag. It, yeah. Daddy should get you a new tablet. That's a different story, but in their mind, they call it lag, and it, it freezes. Um, it's, I guess it's, it's up to a certain point when you've played enough games and different games and, and on different type of devices that you see, that, okay, this is, this is lag, this is not lag, this is just me not spending enough money on, on whatever gear I'm using. Um, and we haven't touched about cloud gaming, which is a pretty hot topic as of last year. Um, yeah, Stadia and what happened there? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's a there's a few a few newcomers with uh, Microsoft X Cloud. Um, I, last time I looked into it, there were 30 different companies doing that. Um, I think Walmart um, is looking into that with Liquid Sky, uh, with the Stadia. Unless you were living in a cave, you, 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 we all know about Stadia. And there's a, some more of a, a less known companies like shadow uh, and and steam has one i'm told a lot of companies are looking at that and, and cloud gaming is bringing a new notion of game as a service like the, some call it netflix for gaming i disagree with that term but um 
like take a whole new <laughs> meaning where you play the game in your house or uh, in, in the train and whatever does the 3D sits in the cloud. So not only you still have the lag for multiplayer gaming, but now you have lag for your own device. So lag is not going to go anywhere. Lag is now multiplied by three to four folds, um, which is, I don't know. I mean, a good thing for edge gap, don't get me wrong, but for players, I'm not exactly sure. It's, it's, uh, right. They're working on that. They're going to find a bunch of ways. What was the term that Google used? Uh, negative lag? Yeah, negative lag. So you look at the game and it played itself. So it's called TV, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a couple of comments. Uh, Justin and Bill, thanks for jumping in. So Bill says uh, lowering ping versus leveling out. Interesting thought process. Yeah, and uh, Matthew, we've talked about that, leveling out the fairness. Well, uh, we'll talk about that more in a few minutes. Yeah, we'll talk about that. that that's a good point, Bill. Uh, and then Justin went on to say a couple of things. We said hard to focus on the game when you're worried about the plumbing. Developers and designers are handcuffed in. Yeah. And uh, said huge need for cloud gaming. Mobile games are most consumed games globally. Yeah, what is your – so uh, we'll talk about mobile. Actually, that's a good point, Justin. What do you think about mobile just in general? The space in general uh, doesn't have to be about, um, you know, what you guys are doing necessarily, but just in general, mobile gaming. Sure, mobile sure, sure. Sports. Um, so one of uh, one of my good friends is uh, works for, as an executive for uh, mobile studios, and we always have this, and we've been having this this fight or discussions for the last few years about mobile games, um, because that market brought free to play, which I profoundly disagree with um, as an, an old time gamer. Um, so mobile is bringing different type of games, like casual games. There's a lot of, like, my parents wouldn't play a console or on a PC, but they play on their tablet all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm all in the, I think it's just a different type of food, right? You have Thai food, you have Mexican food. Mobile is a different type of food. I see that mobile games are starting to do esports, kinda. Um, I didn't dig into any of that, so I don't want to, talk about it more because I don't know more. I, I think I've seen like PUBG does PUBG, yes, with Tencent. Um, yeah. And I've played the mobile version of PUBG once. It was kind of good when it got released. Uh, the week it got released last year. It was it was a good game. Um, so yeah, m- maybe maybe it's a it's a thing. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know about about esports and mobile to be blunt. But mobile in general is a big market. The growth is there. They're growing much faster than uh, console and PC. Um, it brings a new set of players. Um, if I just take my kids who are eight and 10, they play their iPad all the time. Um, even though they still play with a console we have at home and they like to play on the PC, um, their go-to is, is the tablet. They, they sit on the couch and, and it's not. Um, I think there's something there. Um, now, lag is not going anywhere uh, away with mobiles because latency with um, the um, RF, so 5G. They, they, we keep hearing about 5G, like low latency things. The latency is low between the device and the antenna, but you still have the rest of the world that you got to go through to connect to your Fortnite server. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of challenges there, and people are, are, are um, 
they like to sell their own toys based on on whatever selling points that they're they're bringing at the table. Uh, but you got to look at the big picture. So yeah, mobile brought us uh, the the microtransactions, which I do not like. Um, but it's a, I guess it's a different uh, discussion. Yeah, it's a different style of play, different world. I, I grew up I grew up playing the the Final Fantasies, the Final Fantasy two, Final Fantasy three, Zelda. Uh, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> different landscape I would say uh, than than maybe some of the mobile games these days. Uh, but you know, like Arena Valor, Arena Valor is huge. I'm not a big. I mean, I've, I've played Arena Valor, uh, but just some of the numbers and the downloads in that game is just incredible. Um, and they're, they're, it's making it more mainstream, like you said, more access to people that otherwise don't have it. So it's just it's it's definitely interesting. Just to, I like to talk about it uh, with people that come on here and just kind of get their take and kind of how they see it. So and then Justin, yeah, Justin want to say fifty two billion dollar. Uh, global market estimated in 2020. Uh, they make tons of money. I, I, yeah, they generate tons of revenues with those games, and and if, it works. They're free to play microtransactions, and even if it's not, even if it's not pay to win, just like uh, pay to get custom skin on whatever. Yes. It works. It works. So I, it's good for them. But as as a consumer, I just don't like that. In fact. I had this discussion yesterday with my wife who was playing a, a game, a board game on her tablet. She paid for the game. <laughs> she paid for the game. She paid for the game. It's a very renowned board game that you typically play at home, but when you're stuck at home without any friends, you do that on the tablet. And she paid the three bucks to get the game, and she only has one map for the game. And you can buy other maps. Of course. And she was like, Charge me ten dollars and give me all of that map. Don't try to nickel and dime me for every single. Like, I, yeah. that's the that's the kind of discussion that I have with my friends in the mobile industry every Saturday evening when he comes at home for dinner. Um, yeah, I charge me whatever you want. Give me the whole package. Uh, yeah. where, like, like uh, which game? Witcher Three was a good example of that. Like, great game, loved it. Uh, you get the whole story, and I think they've sold some DLC. Or I think they were free at first. Of course, I'm not. I'm not even sure if they they ever sold any. I think they were most of them were free, but you get the whole thing. Jeez, charge me for it, but give it to me. Anyway, that's my. Right. Uh, that's fine. Justin, yeah, Justin said I don't like it, but it's going to get bigger and bigger. Maybe. Oh, I know, I know. That's what my friend keeps telling me. I, I don't <laughs> like it. I don't like it. <laughs> hi, hi, Jimmy. Yeah, I heard someone. I didn't forget who it said. Someone said, "Like, oh, in a couple of years, like PC games will be obsolete." Oh, I, I doubt that. I, I, don't know. I, I, I don't know. They may have said it in jest, you know. But I, you know, you've got some interesting perspectives out there. So yeah, I, that's a good. That's a good. I don't know. I don't know. And I, I know this, dude. We don't know. In ten, five years, we have no idea. Uh, exactly what the hell things are going to look like. I mean, look, look at how mobile has changed in five years. Uh, look at a game like Candy Crush versus Arena of Valor and the depth of the game and things like that. So, I mean, no one really knows exactly what it's going to look like, but that's having a blanket statement like that is, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's like back to my, my uh, restaurant's example, right? You're going to have Thai food, you're going to have Mexican food, and it, it, you're going to have different choices for different people. Um, I, I I wouldn't play Witcher 3 on my phone. 
I don't feel I feel like uh, Skyrim, for example. Like these games are like books, right? So you sit down in your couch and you go through them. And when you have a few times, you want to relax. You want to get into the games. Whereas with the phone, it's more of like, yeah, I have uh, I have a few a few minutes while I'm in the bus or while I'm waiting for the kids to do whatever stuff they have to do. I, I think it's a different thing. But I, yeah, what do I know? I'm just a gamer. Uh, I write what Colt said real quick. I would say the microtransactions help the game for sure, but if they add microtransactions that aren't purely cosmetic and affect gameplay and competitive PvP games, it honestly ruins the game for many people because at that point, the game is pay to win. I just wonder about the thought process behind some of the microtransactions. Yep, we've seen and read about that a lot. I kind of agree with that, to be blunt. One of the... I was mainly playing by myself RPGs and what's not before I discovered PUBG back um, a few years ago when it launched the alpha release when you were not even jumping from a plane. And, um, and that one of the reasons I loved it so much and I got back into multiplayer gaming was because as this person just pointed out, it's not pay to win. Everybody stands the same chance of winning at the beginning. Mm. You, like, you start with the same, with, with nothing. You start with nothing. So, um, and and if if you lose, then you're sort right away another match, and then it's again back to the same thing. It's not a case where this person has it doesn't have any kids, so therefore he has a life, which is not my case and yours <laughs> case, right? So he doesn't have any kids. He's played that game for two thousand hours, and I'm just there. I'm trying to play like uh, between two scores at home, and and any guy he has a huge uh, a huge tank. Again. Yeah, and I show up with my 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 uh, my dirt bike, and uh, I'm I'm here trying to, to win the deal. <laughs> so, yeah, I that's right. one of the reasons that the I, I think a lot of studios realize that they must have seen that. I, I don't I, I don't see that many studios today where it's you can pay to win. Um, I've tried to get into uh, Escape from Tarkov, uh, where mm-hmm. you can tune your your character and you you carry the. Um, the weapons or the items that you, you collect in the last few matches. Uh, it, it brings unbalanced game, I feel. Um, this game is still fun. It's very complicated, but uh, um, you break the balance there, as this person just pointed out. Right. Um, let's let's shift a little bit. I want to get your take on a couple things. Uh, this is more, I guess, broad esports stuff. Uh, you're a huge F1 fan, and we talked before we jumped on here about what has happened over the past couple of weeks with uh, some of these um, physical racing events that have went online. Can you give your take on, on um, the, I guess the watchability, the engagement level, um, some of the numbers that we've seen on some of these streams uh, with Lando Norris and what, what they've done over there at F1. And then I ha- of course I had a Jamie talk about um, Jamie McLaren came on from Veloci Esports and uh, talked about their experience over the past couple couple of years, but then also the past couple of weeks and what F1 has done, but maybe just also the racing scene in general, how it's moved online and what has happened the past couple of weeks. Yeah, this was an interesting, uh, an interesting race for those of you who watched it or watched the replay. Um, so I, as you pointed out, I'm an F1 fan and I've, I've been, I've been looking forward to the beginning of the, the season, which is not happening. What they decided to do was to do, uh, and, and we were talking about that uh, before this, this session, the not, the hashtag, not the, the Australian GP, and they did this, this uh, yeah. esports event. 
Um, at first, they had announced that they were going to have a lot of F1 drivers. They ended up with uh, Lando Norris. Um, I think Ulkenberg was there. Uh, like they, they were supposed to have a lot of them. They ended up with very few. And uh, be, during the qualification, Lando Norris had a, his game crashed, so he couldn't. He started at the end of the grid. Right. Um, so he took that as a way. The guy is Lando Norris. For those of you who don't know him, is one of the F1 drivers. He's a very young guy. He's very talented. I like him a lot. And um, is is on Twitch. So being a young yeah, uh, think, drivers. Yeah, two hundred thousand followers on Twitch. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty big on Twitch. Um, and he's one of those streamers who's more of an entertainer, right? Instead of professionals, there there are professionals who are good at the game, but not going to say boring to watch because they're good at what they do. But you have those other type of streamers who are just fun to, to they do anything, even if they don't play the game. Like, hey, so Lando Norris between the qualification and the actual race ended up calling uh, Zach Brown, who's the CEO of McLaren, and. Uh, he, he called a bunch of other F1 drivers. Hey, I need tips. I'm going to start b- from the behind of the grid. And the other players were just messing around with him. Um, so this was good entertainment. I think that those guys brought a lot of new viewers to the industry. Um, but at the same time, I felt a bit like they were not taking this very seriously. So it defeated the purpose of the whole race. Um, and also you could tell that, that, those guys are so good at what they do. He was uh, he was driving with one hand, and he was kind of browsing Twitter <laughs> on his other hand, like, and he was still winning. Like, he was passing people off. Like he wasn't. Yeah, that's that's how I felt. That's how I felt. So it was a good step forward in the right direction. Um, but there's a lot of work that needs to happen for for this to be, I, I think, uh, seen as more of a okay. This is serious business. This is the real deal. These guys are 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 taking this seriously and they're real, like there are a lot of professional players and they don't have to be real drivers. Cause I know that there are a lot of uh, esports uh, racers who are really, really good at what they do. But uh, as a whole, the, this was more entertainment than racing. Well, I, think, I felt. Yeah. And I think not the Oz GP, uh, there was content creators as well. that was driving. There was, there was, uh, esports athletes that were driving, um, it, it, and there was obviously F1 drivers too. But so it was kind of a conglomerate of different drivers, essentially. And like you said, yep. the entertainment side, but but it's but it is it's like I think you said it exactly right that it's it's the activation and the fact that they actually did it. I think that is big. Should it look yep. differently? I, I agree with you. It should definitely look differently. I guess it's maybe this is the, the wrong word, but the, on a professional standpoint or, or production standpoint uh probably look different down the road but what i love is like you said they actually did it and then you see the nba so initially like the day after the season was suspended the phoenix sun said guess what we're going to do the season on nba 2k so they came out as the team and said that but then now this morning was huge news which we all look we all knew this was coming i mean what else are they going to what else is the nba going to do right yep. they want to get engaged with their fans so how can you do that okay well through nba 2k so now they're going to, they're, I don't, and they didn't go to the details, but each team is going to have a professional player from the professional team play NBA 2K. That makes total sense. We've been saying that since the, the day after they suspended the season, we're all like, okay, this is what's going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen because it makes zero sense for that not to happen. And it's also interesting that the NBA and F1 are out in front of this. I mean, F1 did it within 48 hours. 
they did the. I think it was like not. I think not the Oz was the first one, and then oh, this was really quick. Yeah, they, they turned yeah. it around really quickly. Now they're going to have to come up with a bunch of different. I, I think different new tools. So NBA, for example, and NF one. Um, each match, you're going to have to. You're going to want new sponsors. You're going to want new. Uh, yeah, mainly new sponsors. You need money to to be poured into those matches because you're well. You're going to have money because you're going to have now people viewing or watching those those things. So how do you change the, the advertisement around the, uh, the ice rink, right? They typically do it between, uh, between um, rounds. So how do you change that? How do you change the, the logos on the front wing of the, the racing car for every season? Like, are you gonna, really going to need a bunch of uh, designers and graphists? And I think there's this whole thing which is going to grow a lot. Um, no later than yesterday, it's, it's a similar story, but we found out that GDC, I mentioned earlier, the Gaming Developer Conference, they're doing a virtual one in, in four weeks. So that's when they and, won, I wasn't sure. Okay. Yeah, well, they're doing a full one in August. Right. They've announced, and we found out about it yesterday, We've, they're going to do one at the end of, of uh, April where it's going to be all VR, virtual reality, not just like matchmaking where you chip your email in, in, in the hat and you get called. It's a case where we're actually looking forward to have a booth. It was going to be a VR booth and it's a whole, the whole uh, venue is, is VR. Um, so everybody's adapting to this new reality. Mm -hmm. And I, I think you may think of a point where we're going to wear a VR headset and we'll be walking in the paddock of the iPhone race, or I'll be sitting with my VR headset next to the court on uh, that NBA game. I'm going to have the greatest tickets on hurt because I sit next to the court. Um, uh, where this is uh, every day, every, everything that's around that is accelerating a lot, and um, and yes. the, the fact that GDC is just getting ready to do that in four weeks is also a good sign of that. Now, do you need a headset for that event? Um, no, so we're 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 not sure what we're going to do. We just learned about it yesterday. Oh, we're we're I think we're, we have a few phones. We have a few headsets. We're, we're supposed to have people in the booth, so we're gonna, we 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 need to have people for two days. We're going to be attending the booth virtually. How's that going to be done? I have no idea. I'm, I I hope I'm not going to have too many VR headsets because I can. <laughs> yeah, they're expensive. Right. Uh, much less than they were, you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that there's some models out there for like three ninety nine that are obviously a lot better than they were just a couple of years ago. Uh, you want to you want to look at uh, talk about um, fairness? Quickly? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's end let's end with fairness. I, I wanted to go down that route for a couple minutes uh, here at the end. If you want to show something and share your screen. Yeah, right. yeah. Let me just do that quickly. Um, yeah, we have a quick visual about fairness. Let me know if you can see that. Yeah, we'll add this real quick. Give me one second. Once it pops up, cannot see it yet. No, not yet. Oh, uh, never mind. I forgot to click here. There, there we go. There we go, guys. So you all should see Matthew's screen. So yeah. you can take it away. So we did we did a case study last week with a one of our customer. And these are actual matches which happen um, in real life. Um, on the left is the, um, is one of the match where the player, it, it's a one versus one player match. One was in San Jose, the other one was in LA. They ended up picking one of their servers in the Washington State 
Um, so the average latency between those players were 74 milliseconds. We processed those, those matches through our system and we ended up picking a server in LA and we provided a latency of 29 milliseconds. Now this is just a, this is a typical scenario. This is a standard example of what we do. Um, but what I wanted to show you here is this, right? So in this case here, we're going to talk about fairness. Let's, and I've, I've mentioned it earlier, improve latency. So on the left, we have a case where one player was in Vancouver, the other one was somewhere in Mexico. They've picked the same, the same location as they had in the previous match. So somewhere in uh, Washington state. Um, so if you look at the table here, the first player had 21 milliseconds. The second player had 143. So predictability was in the roof in this case. It's a, this, is, this is a fighting game. It has to go very quickly. Now, if you're a player number two, it's going to take 143 milliseconds for the buttons that you hit to reach the server. You don't stand a chance. Mm -hmm. What we did is we ended up moving the, the server to LA, um, and the same players ended up with 41 and 79 milliseconds. So for player number one, we've increased latency. But overall, if you look at the match as a whole, we went from 82 milliseconds in average to 60 milliseconds in average. So in terms of fairness, if you measure fairness by being the difference between each player, we went from 122 to 38. So in this case, we've reduced latency, but we've also improved fairness now it's what it was a bit up to to the cost of, of one player specifically, but regardless, in in the initial scenario, player one can't have. I mean, he probably didn't have that much fun anyway because it was maybe too easy, right? He was looking to play the game as as it should be. Right. So attacking. So real quick. So attacking net latency. You, you, the net goes from one twenty two to the thirty eight. It makes it more fair. That, yeah, that's the fairness is the gap between P one to P and P two. So yeah, it's from 128 to 38. So the differences between both players was much lower. Therefore, they had a they had a similar chance of winning the match, and or latency had less of an impact on the fact on, on the one player versus the other, right? Right. Um, these are uh, good examples about improving fairness. Now we had some corner cases which are really interesting. So the first one here is we had one guy in New York and the other one was in, in Africa. There's, there, there's so much you can do in this case. The studio ended up picking the AWS Hawaii location. Now, of course, player one had all the chances in life to win the game because the African guy had 176 milliseconds latency. At this point, you can pretty much see the difference when you hit the button and look at what's happening, let alone play uh, online. So we've moved the relay somewhere in Europe. And what we ended up doing is we've increased latency for player one. Now we've reduced fairness. So I'm going to ask you, Chris, and, and whoever is, is watching this, like, what do you think is better between those two scenarios, right? For me, I would rather the game be fair. Now, I realize that my latency, my net latency goes up, but the net latency between 
me competing with player two, if I'm player one, it creates a, a, a fair playing environment for me. And so I know when I'm competing, I'm not winning because I have, you know, I have lower latency. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, and that would just be my situation. Yeah. We've we, we reduced the average uh, latency by 10% in this case, but still we've increased the latency for player one. We had, uh, we had a lot of uh, heated discussions internally about um, ARPU, for example. So average revenue per user. Mm-hmm. Um, now in this case, which one of the two players stands more chance of spending money on the game, for example? Um, let's say you have, in the previous example, you had someone in, in uh, South America, or actually it was Mexico, but let's say you had a player in South America, which is the case for the next match, and someone in the U.S. You know that the Harpoo is probably much higher for the player in the U.S. than it would be for a South American player. Um, so you stand more chance as a studio to see the player one spend money on skins and what's not. Um, but if you look at it from a different angle, if player one, who's supposed to be the player who's going to spend money on the game more than player two, is not enjoying the game because he keeps he finds it too easy. The, the, the latency makes it so that it's very unfair. So therefore, uh, you you may not have as much fun as you'd like. You may not spend your money anyway on the game, right? Let me go to the next example. It's the last one I have here. Um, some player in Minnesota played against someone in Rio de Janeiro. And uh, in the initial case, the server was in Sao Paulo. So the, the Brazilian player had a 14 milliseconds latency, 14, very low. But the American guy had 156. Hmm. Predictability was probably in the roof again. The, the, the Brazilian player must have killed the, 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 the American way pretty much go through him like it was, it was butter um, where you can make miracle. It's one of those examples where we could not even reduce latency by a lot, but we made it much more, much more fair for everyone by moving the server from Sao Paulo to somewhere in South Carolina. Um, now there's always those, these are corner cases. Obviously they don't represent most of the matches that we've, we're handling, um, but they're interesting from a, a philosophical point of view as a player as a studio what's more important like is it pure latency to make it fair is it should you prioritize a given region over another um, and, and what we're allowing studios to do is to turn the knobs for these right to tweak the experience and say all right these matches are not competitive they're just for fun so therefore uh, fairness is not as important as latency, whereas these are competitive. So let's try to lower jitter, improve fairness. And you, we have knobs that we can tweak, um, and that's uh, that's what we're, we're working. Because some are actual, like you said, some are actual tournaments, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's say let's say it's a tournaments, or you're just playing your game in your basement. These are right. different stories that that needs to be handled differently. Right, you customize the experiment, kind of, like, or the experience with those knobs, like you said. No, it's really interesting. I appreciate sharing that because um, it's a huge, de- it's actually a huge deal, and it's not necessarily like I would say uh, on the forefront of mainstream topics in, in esports necessarily, in my opinion. And maybe I'm wrong and not seeing it or, or being a part of the, the conversations, but um, it's it changes outcomes 
And then you talk about you saw the betting space, the PVP and all that coming. This has to be in place in order for that to be full scale. Because yep. you said the money is not going to come. It will not. So, I mean, or it will. And then people get cheated and then it'll go away. And then then that's even worse because then the reputation of, of the esports industry and gaming and all that takes a hit and all that. And that, that's where you go through those troughs. So I know it's a little bit of an aside, but yeah, I appreciate you sharing that information. My pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, well, hey, we're up against the clock. Um, how can people get connected to you on social? If you want to go through the, some of those things. Just uh, connect me on LinkedIn. Uh, we also have our, our website. Is, is I mean, we're on, on most social platform, um, Twitter, all, all, all of them. Uh, just check out our website and connect on LinkedIn, and we'll be able to uh, either discuss those things that we've mentioned. Uh, I always like to get different opinions, especially about like New York versus Africa and how you do things. Right. Uh, but also, if you're, if, I mean, if you're a studio and you're looking at making making it fair and improving player, then we're always there to help you. It was very cool. Well, everybody on on YouTube, Twitter, and on LinkedIn, thank you all very much for being here. Thanks for all the comments and questions. Uh, Matthew, thanks for taking the time to to go through this, talk about the space a little bit. We uh, touched on a couple of things, so we'll be clipping this up and putting this out there. So I appreciate your time, man. Thanks a lot for your time, Chris. All right. See you guys later. Bye. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. Just want to thank everyone who has done a five-star rating or review. If you enjoy the content, this is a way to get the word out about the Level Up experience, and I really do appreciate it. A couple things, if you want to get connected uh, outside of the podcast, um, we do a live stream on YouTube and LinkedIn. So just search Level Up Experience on YouTube uh, to be a part of the live stream there. We also do LinkedIn Live, as mentioned. Search my name, Chris Reed, C-R-I-S. R-E-E-D to get notifications on either platform. Thank you all for all the support and we'll see you on the next episode.